Blog Talk Radio. Archangels, ghosts, and Bigfoot, oh my. It's just another night for Supernatural Girls. Real stories, real answers to life's biggest supernatural mysteries. And now, for another exciting interview with paranormal experts from this world and others. Here's your host, paranormal researcher Patricia Baker, on the one, the only, Supernatural Girls. Welcome, everyone, to another exciting episode of Supernatural Girls Radio. I'm your host, Patricia Baker, and I'm here with my co-host, PK. How are you doing tonight? Absolutely fabulous. It's a beautiful, (laughs) oh, fabulous day. Beautiful breeze. I can't believe it. We were expecting a big storm, but we didn't get it. We're just getting a nice breeze. Oh, beautiful. Well, lucky you. Well, we're going to move the show along tonight because we've got a very special guest who's written an amazing book. He's an amazing experiencer himself. Von Brashler is here with us tonight. He's written a new book, Time Shifts, Slipping. Well, actually, that was my title, The Slipping Part. His title is Time Shifts, Experiences of Slipping into the Past and Future. And we're going to talk about some of the most fascinating things that we've heard about but here's our expert tonight, and I know that Von is going to need to leave us a little bit earlier. So I'm going to ask you, PK, if you can do the numbers first. And at the end of the show, we're going to give you your new Grabavoy codes and tell you who your next guest is next week. You'll be excited to hear about it. And I also just wanted to remind everybody, last week, we were really in the presence of greatness with Dr. Michael Weber from Germany who talked about all of the leading-edge health treatments that are now available through his technology that he invented, and they're they're available here in the U.S. So be sure to listen to that show from last week. We had to record it earlier because he's in Germany, and they're six hours ahead, and we didn't want him to be up late at night. So that show aired at noon, but it's in the archives, and you can listen to it at your convenience We highly recommend that you listen to that show. So, PK, tell us about the numbers, and then we're going to bring Von Braschel right onto the show. What's going on with the numbers? Well, I think the most important thing for people to understand right now is that this is a universal nine months. It's a time of ending old things, and it's ruled by Mars. And there's, we'll say the warring factions are going to be taking place here, there, and everywhere. But it's a time of reflection, and take a look at what's been wrapping up around us because we're struggling with a lot of things, everything from the political to the, you name it, we've got a problem with it. But it's a perfect time to let go of people, places, and things that no longer fit. Let them go. Get this off the table so that you're ready to start fresh when we get into our next month. This month, it's clearing the path get rid of what we don't need. And there's so many things that are going on. We need to review. It's a time of reflection. And if we take a look at what we've been going through these last nine months, this month 
It's they're all in the ditty bag and thrown on the table. We either work with it, get rid of what doesn't work anymore, or take a look at a better way of opening doors and answering problems and situations. Because this is not going to get any better. There's a lot of fears and feelings of the unknown that create so much chaos right now. But it's also a part of learning. So the month will become our teachers if we'll start being the students. We'll allow these to open up. I think once we do, we'll be pleased with the end result. But right now, we're kind of dragging our toes in the ground. Our bicycle's going to throw us if we're not careful. Uh-oh. All right. Uh-huh. Well, it's good, very good advice, and, and it's a good way to handle these massive changes that are all around us. So, oh, too many changes. Yes, yes. The year of change. So tonight, oh, as I mentioned, we have an amazing guest with an amazing book, and it is fascinating. Von Brassler is an award-winning journalist and former faculty member at Omega Institute on this side of the coast. He's, that's right up near us, actually. He has led workshops throughout the U.S. and the U.K. He is a lifetime member of the Theosophical Society and the author of several books, including Seven Secrets of Time Travel. He lives in St. Paul, Minnesota, and the San Juan Islands. Von Brassler. Welcome to the show. Hi, Patricia. Hi, PK. Good to join you tonight. Oh, happy to have you. Yes, thank you what? so much. We've really been looking forward to having you on the show, and you are in demand. I know that you're being booked in all these radio station podcasts, and we're we're so honored that you're here with us tonight. So you're also more than an award-winning journalist. You're also a psychic yourself. So... You have a lot of your own experiences, and it was fascinating reading about them in your new book. What was it that made you want to write about time shifts? Well, I, I'd done, uh, I think, three books uh, on time. First was Perfect Timing, and that got me immediately on Coast to Coast. And then, then well, I just thought I'd dabble into ghosts and 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 energy healing and all kinds of different things and I thought huh so then I wrote another one and it was uh, seven secrets and uh, there were actually eight secrets but I forgot the last one <laughs> and then I wrote one moving in honest honest to goodness I I think there are eight uh, that, that I should have had and then I wrote one on moving in the light which is death transition and and learning to time travel before you transition this earthly plane into a spirit realm. And, and, and so every time I would do one of these things uh, on time, people would, uh, you know, have me on like, like your wonderful show. And uh, they, all the guests, would, all of the listeners would want to talk about time, time slips. And I said, well, you know, I mean, those are accidental. People don't really control them. That's why they're called time slips. And I thought, well, you know, you silly boy, Vaughn, uh, this is the way most people actually experience Time shifts are, is with these uh, these uh, uh, accidental time slips, and this is the way that people actually do encounter shifts in time. And so I think I had to actually come back and uh, circle the wagons and tell it like it is, because most people 
aren't like shamans or bodhisattvas or, or yoga masters where they can uh, willingly and, 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 and with uh, great uh, deliberation set up time travel. Yes, this, uh, this is an amazing story about that you've written. And you start out, well, actually, it's right in the introduction. It's written by a friend, and he did a beautiful intro here, talking about his own Didn't experiences. He? Yeah. Yeah. Frank he was Joseph. quite a guy, Frank, you know, and, and most of his were auditory, you know, shifts in time. Most people see something different, and they hear nothing. Frank is very auditory. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm clear audience myself, so I totally get that. I mean, I've heard odd things. Um, and in, it's not odd if other people hear it, right? It is yeah. really not odd if you hear it. If it's part of your moving reality and, and, and you can say, this happened, I know this happened. Deep down I know it happened. You know, so Frank, uh, Frank tells wonderful stories of, of his travels. He went to ancient, uh, the, the site of ancient, ancient Troy, and he encountered uh, uh, sounds that would make him think of the, um, the era of the Trojan, the Trojan War. And he had other experiences where he was investigating underwater pyramids at a lake in Wisconsin, you know, and, um, and uh, he heard uh, uh, Indians chanting, most likely from another century, and and I and I can understand that, and I totally trust him because, like myself, Frank isn't a, is well, he's a researcher, but he's not a scientist, and he's not a mist, he's not a, a great mystic. He is a journalist, so he 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 reports what he's seen, and what he's heard, and that's what I've tried to do, what I've actually seen, and been able to work my myself through over time, and and people I've interviewed, and then other. Uh, amazing stories of people who have had these time slips, and they were very credible witnesses. The gold standard of, of, of what is a time shift. Well, and that's what makes this so believable. And uh, again, even with with Frank's experience, and you mentioned the Native American chanting. Also, there was somebody else that was nearby that heard the same chanting. Yeah. Right. Yes. So he. Yes, yeah, so he he was he was investigating. I think it was Rock Lake, uh, in in Wisconsin, and he he'd heard about because he was also at that time I believe an editor of Ancient America, which is a wonderful magazine, and yeah. uh, he and he um, he um, um, had heard that there were these um, underwater pyramids at the bottom of, of of the lake, and so he's out there in scuba gear and he's trying to, to find it. Well, the boat. He gets so involved looking through the murky water, looking for the pyramids, uh, that he doesn't realize he's become quite detached from the, the boat, and the two, his two friends who are operating the boat. And he's many, many yards away. Well, he comes up to the surface, and lo and behold, he hears this chanting. When he gets to the boat, they didn't hear it. He said, how could you not hear it? And uh, he gets later that night, he um, went to some function. And now, now, mind you, they don't see anybody. As he said, there's no, like, um, uh, pep rally or, you know, people at the shore singing old songs. They can see or, or hear nothing, you know. And he's the only one of those three uh, gentlemen um, doing the underwater exploration. Only one who heard it. Well, he goes to this function later that night at the lake, and he meets a man who was at the other end of the lake 
far away from him who heard exactly the same chanting. And he said, well, I didn't want to say anything, he tells Frank, because it seemed like I was the only one that heard it. He said, no. Frank said, no, I heard it too. (laughs) Oh, my yeah, that's, that's, that's wonderful when things happen like that. It's, it's You can't just debunk it. You can't just throw it away. It, it happened. These people who are it's credible n- witnesses nice have heard it. Nice to have collaboration. <laughs> exactly. Yes, but then you also write about people who did see things, like the people driving through that town with the clock. That was just so amazing. Please tell that story. Well, you know, I was telling that. I actually wrote an article for uh, uh, New Dawn magazine in Australia, and uh, I mentioned this, and somebody immediately from Australia emails me and said they had the same experience, not the same town, but she and her friend were driving through a town just as I describe or Frank describes, and just the same way they go through this town and people don't seem to be moving. There's a woman that's pushing a baby buggy, but she's not advancing. She's like frozen. Let, mm-hmm. Let's say it like it is, frozen in time. They see a clock, an old-style clock from the old old era, you know, like the 1899 clock. And it's the town clock, but it's, it's stuck at a certain time. It doesn't move. And they drive through it, and nobody's moving. And they're saying, oh, this is strange. First of all, you think, well, are these like movie props? Or I mean, you try to figure out. And it's outside. What happens is, you know, when people have these time slips, it's outside your normal frame of reference. So you cannot relate to it. And you think, oh, this is crazy. You know, so this didn't happen. So they get back right. on the highway and they go, they go up the road again. And they take the next exit. Now, they're going in a straight line. They're not driving in a circle. They go up the road and they take the next exit. And they see the same thing woman pushing the baby buggy, the clock that doesn't advance, the same town. And then they do it again a third time. And then finally, you know, they, 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 they broke the, the loop. I guess we'll call it a time loop. And I think that's, that's what it is. So when I, I wrote this for New Dawn recently, this lady called. She said, you have, to, you have to include us and talk about us because we had the same sort of experience. My friend and I were driving in Australia. And they came into a town, and, and nothing was moving, and everything looks old. And they got back on the road, and they said, oh, that was weird. What was that? In the next town, the same. The same. You know, so oh. they said, now, now <laughs> what's happening here? It's a, it's a moment frozen in time. You know, it's a time slip. And it's Incredible. so spooky. I mean, and also, wasn't the clock going backwards? That each time they made the circle back to the town, not on purpose, oh, but yeah. they would end up back there. Yeah. That clock was moving backwards. Good going backwards. It wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't going forward. It was going backwards. So you know. It, but here's the thing about time shifts. You know, is that when you get outside of the here and now, what we'll call ordinary time, uh, normal time, if there's such a thing. Is, is when you get into these non-ordinary moments or these time slips, uh, time seems to pass differently, you know. I mean, uh, uh, it seems like a lot of time expires during these um, slips in time. You come back and you realize you weren't gone long at all. Or the converse can happen. It could seem that, that uh, you know, so, so what we know is that 
there are time delusions with time, with with um, um, momentary lapses into other times. There's in fact there's like a well I, I call it timelessness, but really it's like time clocks go all which way. So you have to realize that the way we measure time with a clock is is very arbitrary anyway. We've just mutually well, agreed that a minute yeah. is 60 seconds. It, it's, mm-hmm. a, and it's not really linear. It's just that we've learned to perceive it that way, right? Yeah, that's that's the key to the whole thing you've got, Patricia. I mean, time isn't linear. Nothing is linear, you know. I know in science they still like to talk about um, the arrow of time always going forward. But this is just so material reductionist thinking. Everything goes yeah. forward. Well, nothing goes forward. You, you try you try walking toward the the horizon line and see if you if you reach it. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. everything's circular. <laughs> everything is circular. Cir- circles within circles. There are no straight lines. So you've had your own experiences too with this. Yeah, I mean they happen kind of early on in life and. And like a lot of people, I just like blocked them out because, like, why would you talk about this? Nobody's going to believe you. My best friends that witnessed these odd slips of mind didn't believe me. I mean, they do happen alone, mind you. Mine happened when I was like 11 or 12, and I got on a bus and I thought I would I would pretend to be a berry picker, and I went out like 20 miles from my home. And I ate all the strawberries that I could eat, and then I went to the river where we were supposed to go for lunch, and I swam and swam until I would hear the the honking of the horn to take us home, which to me was just a fun day. (laughs) I was just a terrible employee, terrible employee, but I had a wonderful time. Anyway, I got sick one day, and I said, I've got got to go, and they wouldn't take me home. They said, you go, and everyone goes at the end of the day on the bus. And I said, listen, I mean, sometimes... Sometimes there's a spirit inside you, right? The, the real, the eternal you, your 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 true self, that is it knows everything and knows where you've been and where you're going, and it knows when you're in danger and it evacuates the body. So I mean, that, this happens in accidents. Well, in this case, my spirit said, "You've got to get home right now. You are very sick." He said, "So it was like an abdominal pain." Well, thank goodness I got home. My appendix was bursting, but oh. I got home quickly be, because I, I I thought, how do I get home? I said, well, I'll have to just go on my own. Well, I didn't know where I was. I just knew that we drove for like, you know, almost an hour on that bus. We're way far from my home, and I'm like this little kid. And I realized that to get to the very field, we had to cross a railroad track. So I said, well, I'll just get on the railroad track, and I'll follow it. I'll just turn and follow it back, you know to my house, and then I'll get off when I get to my house. Why it occurred to me that railroad track would take me to my house is beyond me. But someone, something inside me said, get on the track and walk home. So I round the corner shortly. I round the corner. I can no longer see my friends looking at me in an odd way. And suddenly I turn, and there's my house. My goodness. And I... And I and I step off and I go through the front door. I flop on the bed. My mother comes home, said, "What's wrong?" And I said, "Oh, I feel like I'm going to die. It's an abdominal pain." She calls the hospital. They bring me right down there, and my appendix had burst, and I couldn't have waited many more minutes before I would have been dead. So oh, the thing was, goodness. a year later, you know, I I just blocked this out. I'm not going to talk about 
how I got home. You know, I, I never told anybody this story for a long time. And when I did, pe- people would say, an angel carried you. Well, maybe. But, you know, here's the thing. The the, the next year, I'm, I'm in my backyard, and what am I now, 12? And I, and I look over the fence at the front of the house, and there is no railroad track. The railroad huh. track has never stopped near that house. I, I, you my know, and a couple of years later... A couple years later, we moved to another home uh, north of there, and lo and behold, the railroad track stopped in front of my home. <laughs> wow. So oh. that was my first encounter. <laughs> That's an amazing one. Mm-hmm. And one yeah. that saved your life, actually, because you got it home. Did. It's like it it, not only a time slip, but a, a place slip because you like turned around like you said and all of a sudden you're in front of your house yeah so you know if anyone's familiar with it all with and i have not a scientific brain in my body but but einstein's theory of special relativity you know space time they're connected space and time are connected they have to be so you when you shift in time you very often shift in space they're interrelated so, yeah, I think a lot of people out there have probably had emergencies, car accidents, or they've been in a fire, or they needed to help somebody, and it's like time slows down. It's amazing. So you see that, that, that time is, is really incredible. based on our time is based on our perception. As you perceive time, that is time. If you, you know, Einstein said, sitting on a fire. Burning your, your, yourself sitting on a, on a hot stove, uh, you experience time very differently than a young man. Well, Einstein was a man of you know the 50s. He said, watching Marilyn Monroe. I mean, it, it is different. T- time does does pass differently for each person. It really does. <laughs> and yet here you had this amazing experience, and and other people have had unexplainable experiences. Also, it seems like. What we think is reality is a lot more tenuous than we realize. Yes, and you have to realize, because my, my thinking now has evolved to where I'm um, kind of a student of Raja Yoga or Wisdom Yoga, where we look at heightened consciousness. Consciousness is, of course, intelligent energy, which is, is everywhere in all living things, from the greatest galaxies to the smallest atom. And, it, and it's in us. And, and as our thoughts, our thoughts can shape our reality. And they mm-hmm. do. It's just some of this is doesn't appear to be under our control, but yet it must be to some degree, just like you getting home the way you did. I We had Yuri Geller on the show a few oh years back. Oh, my goodness. I'm a big yeah, cheer, and, uh, a fan of him. He's He's amazing, isn't he? <laughs> yes, yes. Well, he was talking about, now I knew Andrea Puharic. He was a friend of mine from way back, and I'm dating myself. Yeah, I've met him. I've, yeah. Yes, quite extraordinary, wasn't he? Extraordinary so, is absolutely it. Yeah, another genius. And But what happened was when Yuri was on the show, he was telling us how he was leaving a friend, a mutual friend of theirs, uh, lived in New York. And he was visiting their apartment, and he lived in New York himself at the time, and he was walking down the sidewalk, and all of a sudden, he actually crashed through Andrea's screen door 
and ended up on his dining room table. Yeah. So, never even talking about that. Yes. Yeah, and that here's yeah. another experience of just <clears throat> moving through space and time. And there was no way that he could have gotten to Andrea's house, which was an ossining New York. Well, well here's uh, the thing. You have to... If, split second. Uh, I mean, you have to realize then that everyone has this potential. He, he did it, like, accidentally. But it was also based on, let's say, uh, um, heightened intent. You focused intent, you know. Uh, and, and people will have these experiences usually when they're very, very quiet, often when they're alone, and, um, and, and there's like a kind of an inner force in them working. Um, and I think it's a, a moment when spirit inside us just kind of takes charge and moves us. But if, but if that is true, if that, is, if that were true, then it would indicate that we all have huge potential to, to live other realities. Well, that's, that seems to be the case. It really does. I mean, how many people have had dreams that they were conversing or meeting with people? It seemed like they knew them, but they didn't know them from this reality, but yet the dream was mm-hmm. so real. That could be another example of this, right, it's happening through dreaming. I, I think so, and, and I try to set up some exercises not only for setting up a, a programmed um, time shift. Uh, there wouldn't be an accidental time slip but also in, in utilizing a dream and dream work to either set up a waking dream or program yourself just before you go to sleep to actually have what would be considered a very vivid, lucid dream, uh, a dream of, of where you go outside your body, you see specific things that you want to see, you go to specific places or times that you want to visit, and then, you know, it's very insightful what you, what you gather. I mean, shamans have been doing this for years, mystics yeah. in the East. I've been doing this for for years. Yes. Yes, they have mastered this, no question about it. The old ones, anyways. I don't know about the new ones, but the old guys and and ladies. Yeah. Yeah. They knew what they were doing with all this. And even Geronimo said that he knew how to move through portals to move quickly from one place to another in the Southwest. That's something he was known for. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, well, the shamans, the shamans, you know, they would go into a deep trance, and they would, um, their bodies would just sit there. You know, they just sit there. You know, it's mm-hmm. very much like a, a mystic's a deep meditation, and from say samadhi mysticism, for instance, and and then they would go. They, they, would, they would leave their body. They would leave what we would consider um, ordinary time and space. They would go to a place outside time and space, as they might describe it, to visit the ancestors of the past for insights. It's not like they could speak to the ancestors or take a walk with them, but they would visit them, you know, and they would observe, you know, as a witness, you know. I think, I think the writings of Carlos Castaneda are really profound and helpful. And he talks oh, yes. about being a perfect, being a perfect witness, being a perfect yes. witness and, and stopping the world. Well, there you go. There's two steps in how to con- do controlled time shifts. And, and the, so, so shamans, whether you want to call them skinwalkers or dreamwalkers or spiritwalkers, in, in different tribal traditions, they would, they would go into the past for insights to bring back to their people. 
you know this is really like a the arc of a, a hero's journey to go somewhere take a journey of discovery and break back insight of benefit to the greater community and 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 then they would go forward in time on occasion to see what 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 lies ahead for their people or 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 or, or their land you know and with Castaneda's work, which was totally brilliant, I loved his work. It was amazing. He was actually talking about the path of the warrior and what you really need to do to, to develop the skills to walk through these different realities. And so much of it relied on intent and focus. Yep. Um, yep. I'll tell you, one of the things that concerns me <laughs> about these time shifts is getting back, getting home. Oh, I, yeah. You know, I Hell, wonder you know. if people sometimes maybe don't come home from these these experiences. Sometimes, but usually those are rare circumstances. You know, I, usually I think that there is um, all you need to do. I mean, you have to think of um, your karmic connection, your your spirit and your body. I mean, they are now linked in this lifetime, right? So all you really need to do is just... When you're out there, it's just like think back to your body and go back, you know. So you have to do the thinking in the spirit form because the body, if you've set it up right, is like the shaman who's, who's in a deep trance. It is, just, it is just asleep. Your brain's asleep. And your consciousness and your energy body have left you. And so the spirit really needs to remember, go home now. And really, there's no worry. There's really no worry. When I started doing this, I mean, I had a concern. <laughs> but really, there's no worry. Now, now, I, having said that, there's always the case of Rudolph Fence of New York. <laughs> Can we talk yeah, about Rudolph there you Fence? go. Oh, talk about him, okay, please. So, this was amazing. The Rudolph, Rudolph Fence, um, now this was described in Collier's Magazine, September 15th of 1951, by a writer called Jack Finney. And he didn't think anybody would believe it, so he just wrote it up like a crazy story. But then it kind of, it kind of uh, caught fire and people looked at it. In fact, it's been documented by police, by police investigation. So what happened with Rudolph Fentz is that uh, in New York, 1950, a man in a top hat, an out-of-date suit, handlebar mustache, uh, is, is seen uh, wandering, you know, um, in the middle of traffic, trying to dodge cars, and seemingly um, confused, frightened by what he sees, as though he doesn't understand what the cars even are or how to how to interact with them. So he's hit by a car, and unfortunately, he dies. Well, I say it was Rudolph Fence. It wasn't at all sh- certain who the man was. So they took him to the morgue, and uh, they go through his pockets. And they found strange things. They found strange coins, old coins they couldn't even identify. They found a livery bill from Philadelphia. I mean, who in 1950 has a livery bill from Philadelphia? They found, yeah, they found other documents. Um, And they found a business card, and it simply said, (laughs) Dr. Rudolph Fence. (laughs) I guess he would just hand it to people like, you don't need a phone number. I'm Dr. Rudolph Fence. Right. Well, he, he, yeah, I mean, there was no phone. There was no phone to call exactly. when he was practicing. No phone to so, live. So, no, so so he was comp- 
completely out of out of you know date out of time and and so the police checked no missing person report they can't figure out who he is so they they're thinking well is it possible that this man carrying card is in fact Rudolph Fence or that some doctor Rudolph Fence gave him a card once and he carried it with him what is it? So they would go through. They go through the phone book because in 1950, they did by then have phones. And uh, lo and behold, they found a Mrs. Rudolph Fence, and they called her. Well, she was a widow, and she said, "My son was R- Rudolph Fence Jr." He said, "Really?" He said, "Well, th- he he didn't have a handlebar mustache and and the top hat, did he? And he hasn't been missing." Oh, no, no. But that's the way my son used to describe his father, who years ago, when, he, when, when my son was a boy, mysteriously disappeared. He went out for a stroll one night and never came back. Oh. See, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, that's rare, though. Usually, when you travel out of your regular time in these time shifts, you, you don't go in a physical body. This is very unusual. Usually you go in an energy body. If, if anything, you'll have like an etheric body that kind of resembles your physical body. So people might not even notice you. you you'll notice them before they notice you. And, and, and you have no arms, <laughs> and you have no legs, <laughs> and you have you no hands. You can't be hit by a car mustache. like he was. Like you won't get hit Rudolph by a car. You won't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mostly you just wander in and wander out, as Casanata would say, as a perfect witness. Yeah, <laughs> yes. But but there are other stories about people like Rudolph, like the man from Torrid, which I know you must know about that one. Uh, refresh my memory. Uh, the man Torrid? from Torrid. He uh was he flew into Japan. I believe that's how it goes. And he gave them a passport, and it had different countries on it. It was not at all from the world as we know it. And they ended up locking him into a hotel room uh, in a high-rise, and he was on one of the upper floors. And they posted guards outside because they were very confused about who he was, where he was from. He was confused, too. He didn't know he was, what yeah, was They were all confused. <laughs> Everybody was confused. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it is rare when you, when you, you walk into another uh, time and place uh, with a physical body. That's, that's, those stories are much more rare. I mean, my story was like that. I mean, I was, sudden, I was like 20... 20, 30 miles away, and suddenly yeah. I'm home. I mean, right. that doesn't make any sense. But I never, no. I never, I never returned to the berry field. <laughs> Maybe they're still looking for me out there, back, back, back in the berry field. I don't know. No more berries for you. Well, and the man from Torrid, no. too, the end of the story is so fascinating as well, because when they went to get him in the morning, there was nobody in the room. He was gone. Yeah. And they had no explanation for how he could have gotten out of the room with guards posted by the door, and he was on such a, I don't know what floor it was, but it was too high for him to jump out and survive. So, yeah, yeah. there's another. that's another shift that, yeah. that has, it's quite yeah. strange. Major shift. But most of the shifts are much simpler than that, um, where people don't even 
seem to interact with you as though they don't see you. It's almost like you're in a dream scenario. That's the much more common situation with a time slip or a, a time sl- a shift. And and it it, it probably would, would worry somebody, you know, if this happened to you. Um, you do. Uh, you do seem to. Well, let me tell you the story of the man in the in the airplane. Um, this is uh, Sir Richard Goddard. He was mm-hmm. uh, an air marshal in the British Royal Air Force, and he's flying over an Edinburgh airfield in 1935, and he encounters a tremendous windstorm that forces him. Into over this abandoned airfield near Edinburgh in Scotland, and then then he manages to turn the plane around and, and go back. And on the second pass, he sees now in what was an abandoned airfield very strange planes that he'd never seen, much more sleek. And he sees ground crew walking around in blue overalls. Well, I say walking around, he doesn't see them walking around; they're just there like frozen in time. So he goes back and he files a report. And they're saying, no, no more flying through storms for you, Sir Victor. No more for you. But years later, the Royal Air Force um, actually did start paying, painting their planes yellow. And they did have these sleek designs, as he had described. And they had, in fact, used that abandoned airfield in a new way with a ground crew that now wore blue coveralls. So I mean, he, was, he was physically there, wasn't he? He was there yeah. in his plane. So I always tell right. people, well, you can't take a DeLorean or a, or a time machine. But it seems like <laughs> on occasion it happens. Yes, yes. There's been a couple of other stories about planes, haven't there, that they have uh, tried to land at certain airports and the air control tower is mystified yeah. as to who they are and why they're there. It's, they're completely yeah, out well, of a different time zone. Yeah, you see, you have what kind of plane? What is your identification? No. Right. Who are you? Who is this really? Come on, what is the gag, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, in, in this book, you know, I, I tried to, like, sort it out a little bit. I mean, because these are anecdotal stories, some of them very believable and documented and, and collaborated. But you know, it's like you'd like to see a pattern to the to these anecdotes, so you can say, "Well, this is this is what happens." So I looked right. at arguments for time shifts and arguments against time shifts. So people would say, "Oh no, it's delusion or it's confusion," or you have a highly suggestible imagination. These are memories from your own past. These are psychic precognitions that you're having, or or, or psychic input these are daydreams this is your part of your creative imagination but then then you have really credible people like sir richard goddard right i mean yeah. you know or a policeman who files a report you know i mean these are are, are you know reliable people yeah. and they're then, taking so, it so seriously yes yeah. yeah so then you look at like well einstein talked about black holes or singularities as possible explanation for a time shift we look at i i like to look at energy vortexes because i think i've actually been places where time shifts happen more frequently than not 
And then you look at raised consciousness. I mean, almost everybody seems to have raised consciousness at this moment. They, they, they go outside ordinary time space uh, by getting very quiet within themselves, and they seem to kind of like take a side step, you know. And I think we all have that human ability. Well, then you can look at astral travel. But, but in most of these cases, it's much more than astral travel, much more than astral travel. But it's like astral travel. It's an out-of-body experience. And then I think moving in the light as energy bodies makes more sense to me than anything. Because uh, the, the world operates on light energy, you know. You know uh, uh, and, and energy comes down to us um, as, let's say, intelligent energy. And it, it, it infuses everything with a sense of consciousness. And then, and then the light moves. And in fact, this is actually a, a definition of, of time. Time is when, when light strikes you at the place where you're standing. At that moment is your now moment. And, it, and light strikes every part of the earth at a slightly different time for, for you know, each day. So if you want to talk about solar light. But, you know, I think if we move in the light, as Einstein says, if we can move at the speed of light then we can actually transcend what we would call our fixed location in time and space. So I think that makes a lot of sense. So I've talked to um, a lot of mystics from the East, like I spoke to uh, the Indian sage, the Hindu sage, uh, Krishnamurthy, not Krishnamurthy, but Krishnamurthy. And he told me, you know, if you learn to meditate, he said, if you learn to meditate, son, and you can move with the light. And I thought, wow, that's it, isn't it? Because you'd have to move at the speed of light in order to transcend time. And, and the only way you can move in the light is not with your physical body, but as spirit. You know, in other words, your consciousness can travel at the speed of light. We know that. I mean, our consciousness travels very quickly. I mean, people will, have, will pass thoughts back and forth you know, from huge distances and they'll like be reading each other's mind. We call it telepathy, don't we? You know, right. and we can see people somewhere else, and we know that we know when the phone's going to ring, and we just know these things. Well, that's your consciousness, or your 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 light traveling at light speed. So then now, I think there are also whole. Sorry. Oh, I just wanted to mention with remote viewers, they would fall into the, a similar category, I would think, as shamans because. There's a lot more control over this with these two groups of people. Absolutely. So I think that, that it, we see, and we, if you understand time shifts, then I think that a lot of things kind of fall in place. One of them would be remote viewing. <laughs> you know, because yeah. you, the remote viewer is going to remote lo- locations, and maybe even at different times, since time and space are all connected. And and I've spoken to people can't say their names, but they're in the government program of PSYOPs, and they, and they actually do uh, practice this kind of remote viewing reliably well, you know, and, and, and that's yeah. an explanation of what's good. happening with time shifts. It and I've explains also a lot of other things. There's, there's so much to this, and again, the people who are trained they are able to move forward and backward and, and see all kinds of things. But shamans, this is a different... They also have another aspect to their training because 
I used to work with I used to work at the Monroe Institute many years ago, and I worked with oh, Dr. Wow. Stewart. Yeah, Good great program. place. Yeah, <laughs> yes, they're still going on with it. It's great, and even yep. though Bob's long gone, unfortunately. But Dr. Stuart Twemlow was a psychiatrist who I worked with there at the institute, and he told me another story about um, being in Mexico at a party, and there was a, a brujo there. And again, a shaman, but also a witch. And mm-hmm. um, he he and Stuart were talking about time. And he said, I'll show you. I'm going yeah. to stop time. Yeah. And he did. Everybody froze except for Stuart. Yeah. And then yeah. he, what he did was he went up to the hostess and stood there. So when he did whatever he did to bring everybody out of it, she she just screamed because all of a sudden he was right in front of her face, which he hadn't been before he stopped time. So there's this this other aspect yep. of knowledge that they have that seems so uh, so beyond what we can even imagine, being able to stop time so that people actually freeze in that moment. That's incredible. Well, and, and to have this, this kind of control is um, something that people usually um, – have a, a sense of um, moral conscience about, you know, uh, allowing people to to grow and experience things in their own way, rather than you know shifting everybody. You know, I I, I always talk about you know if if you choose not to smell the flowers as you go into a meditation, it doesn't mean that you're denying everyone else this ability. You know, it's 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 you. You know, it's it's a matter of personal perception, uh, or or uh, um, personal uh, shift in your conscious awareness. That uh, I guess what I'm saying is, I kind of worry about people that are are making everybody in the room get warmer or colder, or or, or you know, because I mean that happens too. You know, or yep. or or controlling controlling other people. Um, there is a tremendous. Um, a uh, fine line between uh, exploring on your own for insight and, and personal growth and and actually uh, manipulating, because our 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 thought our thought power we have to think of our thoughts. If we're talking about time and consciousness. We have to talk about thought power, thought forms. Thoughts actually are not idle things inside your head and that no one can see and have no impact or direction whatsoever. Our thoughts are like arrows, and they go boom, boom, boom. But most people don't direct them, you see. That's the right, difference. They don't. There's no direction. So, so, so when, when one learns to control their thought forms, realizing that they have, they have different frequencies and different colors and different, you know, that, if they, that they can be directed with some accuracy, they can have impact on delivery. And then you realize that there's tremendous power in group thought form. You realize that the exercise of consciousness is um, something that you really need to use wisely. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm sorry Absolutely. to be so sorry to be so preachy. I'm sorry. Well, no, <laughs> no I think it's wonderful. Go ahead, PK. I said I think it's wonderful because this is so much information that many people think is possible, but they don't want to really believe it until they hear someone like you talk about it. Open stores we haven't thought about. 
Yeah, thank you, PK. And I, I think of, of, I talk in the book about, well, I actually have another book coming on called Manifesting, and then on, I have one coming out in the fall called um, um, Mysterious Messages from Beyond. That, and, Ooh, and the truth is, nice. you know, that, that there is power in group thought, and, and you go to some kind of a rally and you all sing a song or you all think a thought or you all, you know, it, it's like Emoto, the Japanese man who wrote, you know, Messages in Water, you know, he showed how group a group of people could have a similar thought and change things in, in, in physically, physically change things with their thoughts. We can move mountains with their thoughts, but you can also have tremendous danger. I mean, to go from everybody singing together or chanting together or thinking a thought together, you can use that to heal people at a distance, of course, group thought power. But then you have people like, dare I say, um, the leader of the Nazi movement who gets up and whips people up into a, a frenzy with his oratory, and they all absorb his thought and they all chant with him. And, and you know, it, it, it can have detrimental effects as well. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about a, a lot of brainwashing, and and it worked, unfortunately. Um, so, yes, there there's a lot to be considered with, with all of this, and it's a fascinating, fascinating field. The whole thing is, is fascinating. But we talked a little bit off air about the Mandela effect and... I know some people are linking it to CERN, and it appears to be there's some type of shift going on. I'll give you two examples, and I want to hear what you think about this, but PK and I have talked about this before. Well, there's different, Star Trek. There's different ways, different ways yeah, like to look at it. Let's talk about Star I, Trek, I, because I, I grew up yeah. with Star Trek, okay? I loved it. Yeah. It was phenomenal. But I remember mm-hmm. hearing Beam Me Up Scotty more times than I can count. Now, I know. It, it's not there. It's not in the Star Treks. But so many no. of us remember, beam me up, Scotty. Scotty, where are you? Beam me up, Scotty. Where did it go? Well, it's a different reality. Well, well the, these, these things are sometimes like um, um, group thought, you know, once again, group thought. Well, you, you have... You have like somebody will start with something or say something on maybe on television, or I think it was a comedian who who first said "Beam me up, Scotty," and it was cute, right? Because Scotty always ran the controls, you know, and for the transporter, and and then and then everybody says that, and then everybody thinks that's every always what they what they what they said, and so these things kind of like uh, create uh, their own momentum. And they get circulated, and they come into popular vernacular and into popular thinking, you know. But 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 whether we can look backwards and change history, I think we do it all the time, don't we? We we have a, a different way of looking at history, and it may or may not be accurate. But you know, there's also alternative realities involved here. So on some level, you know, Mandela might have had a whole different life course than 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 we think of in, exactly. in this, well, in this instance. So many examples of this that are are troubling because there's so many that remember this a certain like another one, um yeah. the Lucy show. When Desi used to say, Lucy, you've got some explaining to do and that that's how we remembered it. I mean not just me but uh-huh. 
Remember that? Thousands well, and tens of thousands well, well, of other people, and now oh, it's not there. It's a wonderful line. Where did it go? You know, it's not, it's not there. So, you know, also, you know, in the movie Casablanca, play it again, Sam. You played it for her, play it for me. He never actually said that. But somebody said that, did that once doing a, 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 a gag line on the show or maybe an impersonator. I think it was an impersonator. And, and and now that's the way everybody remembers it. And he but never is, ever. Uh, no, I understand that. what you're saying. However, yeah. I I have to tell you. And PK, tell me if you remember this. Desi Arnaz puffing his chest out, getting mad, going, "Lucy, mm-hmm. you got some explaining to do." I mean, I remember that coming Always. from him. Do you? Almost every show. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so all of a sudden, have it not there, and no, that that is bizarre. And I know well, some know, people are linking it to the experiments being done at CERN and with CERN. Yeah. It's just there's too many of these that have a, people have a memory of it that is solid and it's visual and it's auditory, and, and now all of a sudden it's, it's wiped. It's not that way. It's very odd. Well, you know, we're, we're all probably living parallel lives anyway so we're probably watching the lucy show or star <laughs> trek you know in 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 this other this other dimension in the other world very very, very close it. very close to ours this parallel dimensions parallel reality and on that show that's he says that every night you know so you, you shift back and you shift back there and then you shift back here i mean i'm kind of aware of my other life you know, it, 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 you know, I try not to be schizophrenic in, in thinking like, oh, I'm having multiple uh, life uh, personalities. I mean, they're, they're distinctly different lives, you know, but they're very similar to ours. You know, Jane Roberts wrote extensively on the Seth material of probable other realities. She oh, yeah. spoke of probable others, you know, and, and, and why not? What, why, why would there not be another reality so close to ours? We only live in three dimensions. There's somebody right. else that lives in four. Mm-hmm. They probably look a lot like us. <laughs> they probably do. Yeah. And we hope we didn't make the same mistakes in those realities, right? <laughs> I was just gonna no, say, I and we'd have some explaining to do. Yep. <laughs> right. <laughs> now, you also had a very unusual experience with a phone call that came to you, actually more than once. Oh, my God, yes. This that was great. Weird. Yeah. Yeah, Tell so us. so this is, this is outside time and space. You know, some people say this is a perfect story of a ghost story, a perfect example of a ghost story. But I'm beginning to think after doing a couple of ghost books, most of the, a lot of these ghost stories are really time shifts, you know. Hmm, so here's what happened. I, I, I'm, I'm working at the Theosophical Headquarters in Wheaton, Illinois. And um, I hadn't been on the job very long. I was working in the publishing department, setting up uh, audio-video. And we set up a radio show and a new magazine. I I was just really, really busy. And this man calls on a summer day. I remember uh, this hot summer day. And he calls me up, and he has this really thick, accent as though he is calling me from like Calcutta, India, and he sounds really, really old, but he speaks very clearly, and the, and the connection, this is the odd thing, it's an old land phone, and uh, old landline, and the connection is so clear, 
but I get the distinct impression that this man is calling me from India. And it's, the phone is clear as a bell. And he says something to the effect, Sir, I would like to invite you on one of my lightning tours of India. These, are, these I do in the fall as it is the best time to experience India in this fashion. I lead people on a tour, and, you, you, and it is a tour that will change your life forever. And, and uh, he said, I normally do them at the very end of August or, or in September. And I want to invite you to come on our lightning tour of India this fall. And I said, well, I don't know how you got my name, sir, but I'm, I'm new here. And uh, I really can't get away. I'm really, really busy. But thank you so much for thinking of me and inviting me. It sounds wonderful. He said, oh, and he, and he continues talking as though he doesn't really hear me. He says, this is the lightning tour of India, sir, and it will change your life forever. You must, you must come with me. And I'm saying, well, so I'm really busy, sir, sir, and, and I and I start to explain all that we have going. We're we're setting up, you know, uh, big lectures and workshops in Chicago, and we're setting up a, a new syndicated radio and TV show. And and he says, uh, and he just keeps on going. It's like I'm not even talking to him. And I'm thinking, like, huh? We don't seem to be having an interactive conversation at all. Yeah. And I say, well, I cannot come with you. And he said, I will call you again, sir, and give you the same offer. You must think about this. And the line goes, Dad, click. I'm thinking, whoa. So then it happens again, like, I don't know, in a few days. I forget how many days. And, and he calls again. And he says the same thing. And I say, and I respond the same way. And he acts as though he's not even listening to me. And, and he says, I will call you again, sir. You must, you must think on this. If this will change your life forever. So then I think after the second call, this is so strange. I am going to find out what's going on. Okay, so we have a lot of members as our international headquarters is in southern India. Maybe some, someone from <clears throat> international headquarters in India called me. Maybe someone else in the organization called me. We have many, many people, uh, Hindus and, and, and Buddhists that belong to the Theosophical Society. So I'm thinking like, huh, okay. So and then I'm thinking like, no, that, that line was so clear. He didn't call me from far away. He called me from the other building. It's a gag. So I go over there and um and I and I you know, people when they when they're trying to trick you, you know, like um uh, be deceptive. They'll have little tells, right? They'll blink, or they'll look away, or they'll have a grin, you know, or they'll right. be evasive. And so I went over and I, first of all, I eliminated everybody who could never have faked this accent because of their voice. And so I, I asked a, a lot of people, but not everyone. And everyone I asked, they just looked at me like I was crazy. Huh. They say, I have no idea what you're talking about. So I said, you know what, this man, he went through the switchboard at the other building, main building. That was the publication building. So I go over to the main building and talk to the lady who's the uh, receptionist. And I said, um, Adana, I said, um, I, I've, got, I've received two phone calls from a, an elderly, oh, it's what sounds like an elderly man from India. And he, and he asked to speak to me. And uh, do you remember putting him through? She said, no, I'd remember something like that. Because I'm new, you know, somebody has to speak with me. And, and, 
He says, you must be think he must be calling for your predecessor, uh, Pete, who retired after many years there. He said, no, no, I don't think so. He said, well, I don't remember putting through a call like that. She said, he actually called your line directly. I said, how is that possible? I said, she said, I have no idea, but he must have known your phone number because he dialed you directly. He did not come through the switchboard. So I'm thinking, this is very strange. So I get another call from the man. And I said, you know, who are you? You know, and he just ignores (laughs) these questions, tells me the same thing again. And then finally he says, if you are not able to uh, join us on our lightning tour of India, you should call Lightning Round, Lightning, ro- no, Lightning Rod, Lightning Rod Tours of India. Then I would suggest this to you, sir. Learn to meditate in the light by running water in the early morning hours. Hmm. He said, spread, spread a blanket upon, uh, upon the, the earth uh, and meditate next to the running water at first morning light. He says, then you will, you, will, um, you will live in the light and move in the light. I thought, huh. So I tried that <laughs> after his third call. <laughs> and we yeah. had a pond in the back. And, you know, and the, the, the pond was kind of like running water, right, because there was like a sprinkler, you know, or a fountain. So I, I spread out a, a, a blanket, you know, my pretty blanket from school. <laughs> and... Uh, and I meditate, and it's it's really amazing. It is like it seems like everything just slows down. And I realized then, um, as many astrologers have learned that, and and, and others that that the the morning hours are different from the evening hours. And the afternoon hours are different from both. You know, they all have special um, energy potential. And and this makes perfect sense what he's saying. So I'm thinking like, who was this man? So then it occurs to me, he seems to know a lot. And if he does these lightning tours and he knows all about this special meditating in the early morning light beside a running water, he must be famous. Like we had a bookstore below where I worked in the same publication building, and I go and I I talk to our publication man or uh, bookstore manager and i said uh where uh where would i find the the really good books on meditation she said all the books on meditation i said i don't want all the books on meditation i want the real things the ones that are written by 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 uh hindu masters by yoga teachers the real thing she said oh that they're in the far corner and so i walked to the far corner and I swear to you, this book is face out. It's actually sitting on a um, a stand, and it's it's like meditating in the morning light. It's like what? So I flipped the oh book over, and it's pic- in a picture of this really old in- Indian gentleman, and I'm reading about how he's famous for his technique of meditating in the early morning light, besides still water. And they and then at the end it said he's also famous for for leading his lightning rod tours of India in the early fall each year. And then it said oh his, my goodness. his date of, and then it listed finally at the very bottom, good thing I read the whole back jacket, the bottom it said his date of birth and his date of death. And it was two years before he called oh. me. Oh, for heaven's sake. That was weird. But, but the information was valuable. 
See, I mean, moving in the light is really transcending time. You know, if you can take the light within you and move it with the light out there, outside you, then you can move in the light. You can't actually transcend time. It's the only way that it's reliable that I can think of. Unlike Rudolph Fence <laughs> or yeah, Richard Goddard, or the storm. But but, yeah. but 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 most people, that's the way we would transcend time, you know. And mm-hmm. and, um, and 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 it made a lot of sense because years later, I had a roommate who was dying of cancer. It was so sad, and I mm-hmm. said to her, in, in being liking Star Trek Patricia like this, I said, "Well, I said this is a little different." She was raised Catholic. I said, "This is a little different," but you do love Star Trek. She said, "Oh yeah." Said, do you remember how they would, they how they would uh, get in the trans transporter and they would they would move somewhere else? He said, yes. I said, would you like to do that? She said, oh yes. He's dying. She's in a hospice. Mm. And I said, I can show you. We're going to move in the light together. And we went a, did a series of exercises that were kind of inspired by what the man initially taught me. And we, we we managed to learn to walk through um, the different planes of, of existence, you know. The and we the and and we walked through different colors, you know. We walked through the uh, the an astral realm of 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 of, of uh, orange. And we walked through a mental plane of, of of yellow, and we finally got to blue. And I said, Deb, I said, this is a peaceful place. Can you take it from here on your own? She said, oh, yes. Oh, yes. Now, she said, oh, yes. And she hadn't spoken for a long time before that because she'd lost all speech at some point in the middle of all this. And she just like howled like an animal. It was really sad the way she died. She had brain a brain tumor. And uh, so so at the end, I walked up to the to the nurse who was also the head nun. And I said, uh, Deb's ready. She said, oh, good. I said, she's really ready. She's going to be just fine. And I know she is. She absolutely uh, learned a a sense of freedom and movement that most people would never realize. Well, what a beautiful thing you did with her to to walk with her into the light. And that's so heartfelt. And I loved reading about that in your book. That yes, a, a beautiful, yeah, beautiful thing. Well, I, I stopped I, when we got to blue because I didn't want to go any farther with her. <laughs> yeah, well, sometimes we have to make that part, that journey of by ourselves. But what's also so fascinating is that this um, this older Indian man sought you out through the dimension. Yeah. This is a very important task for him I've to do. A, I've had a lot of strange experiences like that all my life, and it's like I haven't talked a lot about it until recently, and I figure I'm so old now nobody will get too upset and just some crazy old man. But, you know, when I was in the, news, I was in the newspaper business, and this seemed to me like the way to go. It's like, yeah, everyone's going to need a newspaper forever, right? That's what we'll do. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, so, so. One day, I'm up on Mount Hood in Oregon. I reach down for my morning Oregonian, and it's not there. But in its place, where the Oregonian was always next to my door, was a book with the cover removed. And I picked it up and and, and opened it up to see what it was about. 
and it was a book by a minister from New Zealand called Jeffrey Hodson, and uh, a very psychic, uh, um, clairvoyant author. And he wrote a book called, among others, that book was called A Call to the Heights, and it was all about correspondences and and, and, and leashing the, the consciousness within you and and uh, learning to identify with your inner self your true self your spirit self and and it, it moved me deeply and he was the first theosophist i ever read and i tried to figure out who these people were you know so i looked and looked and looked and at that time um i i was transitioning uh, to working for a, a a magazine book publisher that was doing two weird things and both involved me. One was getting on a plane, going from Portland to basically the East Coast and meeting with uh, magazine publishers to do what we call one-shots, which would be annual magazines that would actually perform like a book on a magazine cover. And the other thing was I would go and I would set up uh, the syndicated newspaper column, which we had created. And um, so what, what it meant was that I get on a plane and I would travel from Oregon to the East Coast, and I invariably uh, leaving there the airlines I did from the point I started from. I would I would stop briefly in Minneapolis, Minnesota, to take on uh, additional passengers. And um, on one of these trips, um, we're uh, almost ready to land in Minneapolis. We're and and we were en route from Portland, and a um, flight attendant walked up to me. I remember she was wearing a big purple crystal, <laughs> amethyst crystal, and she said, "You know," she said. Um, she looked at my thing. She said, "Von Brashler." I said, "Yes." She said, "I need to move you to another seat." I'm thinking, "Oh, what, what, what's wrong? What's wrong?" So she puts me in the back row, and I'm thinking, "Oh, oh, this is not good." So she comes back later on. She says. She said, um, "I uh, I need to. Uh, I'm going over your 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 meal preference. I think I should change you to a fruit platter." <laughs> I said, "What?" She said, "Your diet's all wrong." I said, "Well, okay, that sounds fine." And I'm thinking, "Oh, do I get grapes? Do I get watermelon? This sounds good. I'm getting, I'm getting all excited now." She says, uh, "I said, well, well th- I said, well, thank you for thinking of me." She said, "Not at all." She said, "I'll be back." I said, "Oh no." So she comes back, and I'm thinking, what is with this woman? She's so pretty, and, and I'm not. And what's going on here? I mean, what's going on? So, so, so she says, I, I, I moved you to the back here because I want to talk to you. And she said, may I sit with you? I said, yes. She said, you know, when you get to Minneapolis, I want you to get in touch with me to start some, some instruction in yoga. I said, wow. excuse me? I said, I know, I think she's hustling me for, you know, a job, right? She said, I said, well, I said, that's, that's interesting. I said, but, um, and I have heard of yoga, because <laughs> I, I read the Jeffrey Hodson book, right? And, and I said, you know, but I don't have any plans to ever be in Minneapolis. I mean, the plane stops there, and I don't really get off because we're there just a few minutes. But I'm, I, I'm actually en route from Portland to New York City at the moment. She said, she says, but when you get to Minneapolis, you must call me. I said, well, yeah, sure, sure. She hands me a card, and on the front it says, 
uh, Carol in her last name. And then it says flight attendant in the name of the airline. I said, oh, very nice card. Thank you. She says, turn it over. I turn it over, and it says, and it says um, Colleen, same last name, different first name. And then it says yoga instructor and a phone number. She said, that's the number you call. That's the number you call when you do get to Minneapolis. I said, sure, you betcha, thanks. <laughs> so I get back. In, in On the, the plane. <laughs> yeah, so I get back. And, and just a, a couple of weeks later, uh, the owner of our company flies in from out of state. And he said, you know, I met with my, my partner over the weekend, and, and we've just decided, I know this is sudden, but I want to get everyone together. We've just decided to move the company from Portland, Oregon, to Minneapolis, Minnesota. Oh, my goodness. And I said, Minneapolis? He said, that's right. He said, well, here's the thing. You know, we're going to have nice offices, and I think it's going to go really well because we have a new consultant out there who works for Family Handyman. He's the publisher of Family Handyman uh, of the web group, and he is retiring. And um, we've spoken with him, and he's going to be our consultant, and it's going to be wonderful. He says, but everyone... Everyone needs to move out there. Unfortunately, if you don't, in a short amount of time, I'm going to have to lay you off because that's the new uh, that's the new location. I'm the only one out of 37 that moved, and oh. I had to give up a lot. Uh, my cats, my home, my friends, my beautiful mountain, everything. Oh, no. I loved it there, and so I get out there, and and it's like Halloween, right? I get out. It was literally Halloween when I got there, and I'm thinking like. Oh my gosh! I don't have a card yet, do I? And I looked at my wallet, and I did. It was, and I call, and it, and, the, and she picks up on the first ring, and I said, "Is this Carol? I mean, Colleen?" She said, "Vaughn." I said, "Yes." <laughs> she said, "Good, good." The, the next thing she said really shook me. She said, "Good, you're here now." Wow. Now there, there's a time traveler for you. And so she oh. says, "You're here now." So she says, "Are you ready to start?" classes and i said yoga classes right she says right yoga classes she said it's what you need i said okay i said but are you talking about like individual instruction or group instruction she said you decide that and i said no what 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 when do we meet is it going to be like weekly or every night or evenings or afternoons or she said you decide that too i said well how expensive will this be? I mean, uh, I don't have a lot of money. Is it going to be like, you know, she said, whether you pay me anything at all is entirely up to you. She said, I'm here for you. So I start these classes, and they're really incredible. She she is the real thing. And she takes me all the way up to, you You know, first of all, I say, like, stretching exercises, right, right? And she mm-hmm. says, Vaughn, if you want to start with stretching exercises, I will teach you some postures. But I hope we get beyond that. The postures are to set you up for deeper learning in yoga. And when she takes me all the way up to Raja, wisdom yoga or, or consciousness yoga. And, um, and I, all along the way I pass out when, when she teaches me breath of fire and she slaps me and she says, <laughs> what did you see? What did you learn? What did you see? And I said, I blanked out. I saw nothing. I heard nothing. She said, oh, such a, a wasted opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> so she takes me, ultimately takes me to a, a, a group, a, a room filled with people all talk, talking at once. She said, this group is called the Theosophical Society. And I said, I've been wondering about those people. I read a book about this. 
He says, yes. He says, these are your people. You stay with them now, you, and you become one of them. She said, I am moving on to start a yoga retreat center in New Mexico. And I never heard from her again. And here's the funny thing. And all the time I knew her, she was always available to teach me whenever. And I never heard her say she was going to the airport. <laughs> so oh, you figure that goodness. one out. I had these odd circumstances. Oh. I mean, it's you have quite the amazing life and certainly these powerful connections with people that that want you to be on your path. How how loving and supportive for you. Sometimes I think they're watching me and they're shaking their heads. <laughs> <laughs> I think you've done pretty well, Fox Bassler. You certainly have. Yeah, what an amazing experience, just one after another. So many. Well, I want to, again, announce the name of your book so everybody can get it and read it because it's extraordinary. <clears throat> Time Shifts. Experiences of Slipping into the Past and Future. It is well worth your time, everybody, to pick up a copy of this book and read it. It's just full of stories like what we've been hearing about tonight. It's just a great book, and it will really expand your consciousness about what is possible for all of us, and there's so much. Now, Vaughn, you have two more books coming out, so I hope you'll come back and talk to us about them. Oh, I'd, I'd love to. I, I mean, I oh, wonderful. a lot of difference talking about ghosts and consciousness and, 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 uh, and the spirits and the thought forms. It's all the same. Everything is consciousness to me. It really is. It's, it's what's in our head. It's bigger than we ever imagined. Fantastic. Wow. Well, Thank we're going so to let you go because we know you have another show you have to hop on, and we want to give you some time to catch your breath and, and get on to that show. But please let us know when your new books are out. We'll definitely have you back on the show. Thank you. Thank you very much for inviting me. I enjoyed it. Well, it's, it's our been pleasure. Wonderful. Thank you. Yes, it's, it's been great. So we'll let you go, but we're going to keep talking because that's what we love to do. Okay. <laughs> All righty. Goodbye to you both, and thanks again. Okay, good night. Thank you, Vaughn. Here. What a great, great experience, huh? What a lovely, oh. lovely man, huh? That is for sure. I'm looking yes. forward to his two new books. I know, Manifestation, and what was the other one? I can't remember. It was, But I know it's something we want to hear about, that's for sure. So we wanted to talk about a couple of other things, too. We wanted to give out some new Grabavoy codes. Everybody's been playing with those and reporting back. They're getting all kinds of job offers and, and things that they didn't expect. So I'm going to give out some more codes. So this one is ability to earn money, which we all need that right now, right? So I that number so. is, yes, we do. Because as you mentioned, PK, there's so much going on that's in upheaval. So ability mm. to earn money is three, seven, four, six, eight, five, eight, one, two. And again, that one is three seven four six eight five eight one two. And I just wanted to explain a little bit more about why these work so well. We have 
a lot of habits. We have habitual mm. thinking. We have our unconscious mind that just goes into rote performance. And it's supposed to be for our benefit, but unfortunately there are a lot of thoughts stuck in there that prevent us from having financial stability or abundance or the person that we want to be with or soulmate or whatever you want to call it. So when you repeat affirmations like, I am rich, and you're not, it does not make it happen. So as much as people like to talk about affirmations, I think they're great if you know how to use them properly. But just repeating that over and over again isn't going to cut it. And that's why people get so frustrated in working those types of techniques. What the numbers do is it circumvents your unconscious habits and your habitual thinking. That's why you use the numbers instead. So you want to go direct and use these numbers. Mm-hmm. I just It'll did make something a big that difference. I thought of before, totaling the numbers to see what number it produces. Oh. And it's a number eight, which is muddy. Oh, see? There How you go. That? I like it. I like it a lot. Coming in, go money. We want the money coming in for all of our listeners so everybody feels that financial security blanket and they don't have to worry about it anymore. And I'm going to give another code um, that you also may want to play with, and it is the angelic number so that the angels will take care of your finances for you. And that one is 808. Again, that one is 808. Now, one of the ways I like to use these numbers that helps a lot is when your mind gets going, like it always does, like the crazy monkey mind, thinking the same thoughts that you thought yesterday, running things around in your head, driving yourself crazy. When you catch yourself doing that, you can stop and instead insert one of these numbers, 808. So let's say you catch yourself thinking about a problem that you have with your bank account and you're upset about it, and you're worried about it, instead of thinking those thoughts, you can think instead in the number 808. So it and helps. Again, in- look at the numbers there, and it re- represents the number seven, which is spirituality. Perfect. Yes. How about that? So it, I like it, because, again, it helps oh, get us. <laughs> we want to get out of those those thinking ruts that we get into. Because all those thinking ruts do is they reinforce what we don't want. So we have to be very, uh, very insistent in creating a new reality. And I think this is one of the easiest ways to do it. And I did mention switch words before. And we're going to get into that more next time. But the switch words are also powerful and easy to use. And you can use them as a mantra. We talked, talked with Vaughn about meditation. And you can use it in your meditation. So, again, what you're doing is you're creating a direct line to source energy and you're doing it in a language that your subconscious mind can't get in the way of. So your old beliefs can't get in the way of this and that's what you want. Make it a lot easier to get what you want in life. And there's many, many other codes. They have a lot of health codes that we haven't even gotten into yet, but there are just so many choices But again, as you and I know, the audience has let us know that money is an issue on a lot of people's minds, very concerned about the higher taxes that are going to be coming and things like that that are rather unpleasant. So 
we need to uh, keep finding numbers to give you guys so that you can work on them and play with them and create more of that security blanket for yourselves and your own lives. So that is what we want to keep giving you is more gifts like this. So also, again, lots of UFO sightings and out by you too, right? You had some out there. Yes, we have. So Amazing, isn't it? It's everywhere. It seems that more and more people mm-hmm. are, are, again, every week we just see more posted. And I do not think these are faked, uh, but there's a lot of references to them on our Facebook page. So go there, check them out. Read the other mysterious stories that we have. There's quite a few this week to check out. And we want you to please keep in contact with us. Let us know if there's another kind of number that you want us to research for you and bring to the audience. Just send us an email, and we'll be happy to do that for people here, whether it's something to have sound sleep or whatever. You let us know, and we'll look it up, and we'll bring it to you. And also, one other thing. I'm going to be creating a deck of Grabavoy cards, and these cards are going to be something that are fairly sturdy, because if you're anything like me, you're using a post-it note (laughs) to write these down, which is okay, but I noticed my post-it notes were getting all crumpled up, and they lost their stickiness on their backsides, and I couldn't find them. They had fallen to the floor, whatever. I thought, why not create a deck of cards that's a little more sturdy, but you can put them in your wallet. And they're going to survive that. You can put them under your pillow. They'll survive that. And they're, they're there forever. So they're going to last for a long time. If you're interested in this deck of cards and the instruction sheet that go with it, just drop us an email. Let us know. And we'll let you know when you can order them. So those should be available, I'm thinking, within the next three weeks. So that'll that be sounds fun. Mm-hmm, definitely. Yeah. Yep. I like it when it's easy. And so this is a way to make it easy for everybody to use. We're going to have 25 different numbers for money, and they'll all be on their own little separate cards. So it'll make it easier for everybody to use them. So next week we we have William. William Stickever is coming back. Ooh, can't wait for him to get here. I don't know what's going on here. We Well, yeah, exactly. And so William, as you may remember, has been on the show a couple of times. His predictions have been right on the money. He is a very famous astrologer. He is coming back to give us the lowdown on what we can expect this year. And he's also going to be talking to us about crypto. As you know, there's a lot of, lot of buzz about crypto right now, and it, a lot of people are having trouble understanding it and learning how to work with it. But William's going to be talking about all of those things, as well as the political scene, the health scene, the COVID scene, all of those things he's going to be uh, discussing when he comes to the show next week. So we can't wait to have him back because such unsettling times. Right, PK? Oh, that is an understatement. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Definitely. It really unsettling. is. It's very unsettling. Oh, my goodness. And and so William's going to help us out. He, he's going to give us some direction. He's going to tell us what to expect. And, again, his predictions have been right on the money. Um, over everybody we've yeah. had, he's been, he's been there every time. So we wanted to get him back for everybody. And he's another guest that's very much in demand. 
We wanted to get him on the show earlier, and he was book solid, but he is coming next week, Wednesday night. And also I want to remind everybody, if you did not hear our show with Dr. Weber from Germany, please go and listen to it. It is so important. He talks about all the new leading-edge health treatments for everything, and he's a medical doctor, he's also an inventor, and he's a biochemist. He is extremely well qualified to talk about all of these new technologies and new techniques for healing, everything from autoimmune to cancer to viruses. It's, it's all there in that hour and a half that we spent with Dr. Weber. And so please, it's in the archives. Everybody listen to it. I, it's in Definitely. your best interest Yeah, to know it's, what's available. Stop. That's those are the kind of things you want to put in your pocket. I know, really, really. I actually just ordered uh, from him the uh, the attachments to the laser watch that work mm-hmm. on viruses. So I'll be sure to report mm-hmm. to everybody how that works. And again, I know it will. I know it will because everything that he has invented is extremely powerful. It's extremely safe. And many of these items you can use at home. So I like it. I like it a lot when you can treat yourself and you feel better. So listen to Dr. Weber. That was last week's show. So, everybody, my gosh, we've been through so many topics tonight, PK. Gosh. Just a few. <laughs> Covered the Very exciting. A very exciting show. So, everybody, uh, we will see you next week with William Stickevers. And until then, we will see you on the Blue Highway. Good night, everyone. Good night. Thanks for listening. Tune in next week for another radio adventure with Supernatural Girls.